Have you ever had the experience of being quietly called out by someone? Of being corrected, but in a painfully gentle kind of way? Sometimes a knowing look, a pregnant silence, or a calm, reflective question can be even more piercing than a loud rebuke. Jesus is the perfect teacher and the perfect friend. He knows perfectly how to respond to different people in different situations. In our Gospel reading last Sunday, Jesus gave Peter a strong rebuke when Peter tried to forbid Jesus' upcoming suffering and death. Jesus even called Peter Satan because he was opposing God's plan of salvation. But this week, Jesus knows that a different tactic is needed. Rather than blasting the disciples for their ignorance and their pettiness, he gives them the space to get honest with themselves and their own motivations. Jesus asks the disciples this simple but probing question. What were you arguing about on the way? Of course, Jesus already knows the answer, but his simple, gentle question invites the disciples to reflect on what's going on in their own hearts, to examine their own consciences, to see themselves and their behavior through the eyes of the Lord. And St. Mark tells us that the disciples are silent with embarrassment. Since they had been discussing who among them was the greatest. These grown adults must have felt like they were ten years old again. I think we all know what that feeling is like. I, I know that I certainly do. Having just heard Jesus speak of his willing acceptance of his upcoming rejection and death, the disciples are suddenly preoccupied with jealous competition for privilege and prestige. No conversation could have been more contrary to what Jesus was trying to impart to them. But, you know, the gospel does not display the disciples' failures so that we as the readers or hearers can sit back and marvel at their incompetence, but rather it's to bring us face-to-face -face with our own human tendency to seek our own glory in competition with others, which hinders us from seeing and giving ourselves over to God's marvelous plan. The disciples, and we can say we, in our moments of blindness and self-seeking, do not yet understand that the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. The disciples are expecting Jesus to ride into the capital city, take up his throne, and begin his glorious reign with all of his disciples seated on thrones next to him. They have not yet truly seen or heard Jesus is called to deny oneself, take up the cross, and follow him. How about us? 
What are our expectations of being Jesus' disciples? What are our motivations, our reasons for being Christians? Do we understand the meaning of Jesus' cross, which hangs above us here, which we wear on our jewelry, which we sign ourselves with in prayer? The cross, for Jesus and for us, is the cost of being faithful to God. It's the sum total of everything that we have to endure as a consequence of our fidelity to the Lord. Jesus was put to death on the cross precisely because he was faithful to God the Father in word and in deed. Such fidelity to God always causes waves. That's what our first reading tells us today. The wicked beset the just one with revilement and torture because he opposes the ways of sin, selfishness, and corruption. And you know, the cross becomes very concrete in our daily lives. The cross in your life might be the ridicule that you face at work or among your family members because of your faith and your morals. It could be the financial constraints that you experience because you continue to say yes to life and to welcome all of the children that the Lord brings into your family. The cross is not simply the ordinary pains and struggles of natural everyday life. The cross is the suffering we endure for sticking with Jesus, for saying yes to God's will and God's ways. And every Christian, every Catholic, is called, as we heard Jesus say last Sunday, to take up his or her unique share in Jesus' cross and to follow him. We only get to share in the glory of Jesus' resurrection if we share in the suffering of his cross. Jesus' followers, us included, are called to undergo a conversion of mind, to take on a new divine way of thinking, the divine logic in which victory comes precisely by way of the cross. Jesus is ultimately asking everything of us as his disciples. He's not calling us to form some kind of Catholic membership club where nothing is demanded of us. Jesus is calling us to an unconditional, personal allegiance to himself in every concrete situation of our daily lives. He's calling us to stick with him as he goes to the cross and, in fact, to be crucified with him, in him. However, we're not alone in this. Jesus does not abandon us to the weight of the cross, but he's there with us in the cross. The closer we are to the crosses in our own lives, the more we feel the weight of the cross in our own lives, the closer we are to Jesus and the closer he is to us. And Jesus' forewarnings of the cross, of the suffering in his life and in ours, never end on a note of gloom. 
since his suffering and ours are only the necessary first phase, which ultimately lead to a glorious triumph. Three days after his death, Jesus will rise, and so will we with him. So do not be afraid. In the end, our fidelity to Christ will win for us the crown of redeeming glory. Our fidelity to Christ in the midst of the persecution and suffering that we face will make us truly and eternally blessed.